0: I'm Gerilyn and welcome to another episode of Old Maid Asks, where I explore questions about single life. I waited a little too long to record this. Uh, It's Sunday, and my episodes come out on Monday. And it's been, you know, it's been a bit of a week. You ever have one of those weeks where you feel like you should be perfectly happy and you shouldn't be tired, but you are really tired? (laughs) This has been one of those for me where everything just seems like a little bit too much. So this is going to be, I guess, even a little more informal than the last Old Man Asks episode. Um. So the question today is, why am I single? Um, if you're anything like me, this question has sometimes haunted you a little bit, or quite a lot sometimes. Um, I-, I have sometimes worried that there's just like some sort of fatal flaw that I have that I don't know about and that no one apparently is going to tell me. I'm not the only one who has said that. Um, I know when we talked, I talked to uh, Bethany and Kristen from Looking for the Middle podcast. Bethany said the same thing where she had actually asked Kristen, like you would tell me, right? Like you would tell me if I was doing something wrong, if there was this, some sort of horrible character flaw that I was, that I have that that's repelling people. And in that case, the answer was like, no, like she didn't have any horrible character flaw. That wasn't it at all. I think the whole question of like, why am I single definitely will come also down to that this is just God's plan for me right now. Um, In my life, I truly do believe that. I believe that God had things that he wanted me to do that were just better done single. Like going back to school, like um, becoming a journalist and also, you know, in some sort of small way, doing this podcast, I think, too. And so I definitely 100% believe that. I just uh, don't think that we as Christians, because we're Christians, um, are exempt from things like demographics um, or statistics or psychology and that kind of thing. So I wanted to sort of throw up a few different why am I single type reasons, um, just to explore them a little bit. Uh, This is obviously not going to answer the question for anyone of why, why any of us is single, but might give us some things to think about. So for starters, I I went out and uh, asked some of my friends who are single to say why they think that they're single. And I kind of told them, like, just assume that, yes, this is God's plan for you. But think about, like, in your weaker moments, why do you think that you're single? So let's, let's get into that. So Steph says, quote, I don't get out enough. The church I'm in gets married young. So everyone, or so it seems like everyone my age is already married. Three, I have standards, but at the same time, I really don't know what I want. And lastly, I'm too weird. "End quote." Steph, come on, you're not that weird. I think that too. Sometimes we're like, ah, no, I'm kinda <laughs> <what> I know I'm kind of weird. That's why I'm single. I don't think any of us are quite as weird as we think we are. Really, one of the things that Steph mentions is like I don't get out enough, and I don't think there's anyone here who thinks that they're gonna meet someone while staying at home in their basement. I mean, some of us prefer to stay home in our basement and try, like, I almost said shopping online. I mean, how much different is it? Um, (laughs) Online dating, which, ugh, that's a really expensive way to get your feelings hurt, is what I see that is. I've tried that a little bit, and it's, oh, it's not great. Like, I think everyone has that one person they know who did meet someone online and got married. But really, like, it seems like the horror stories really kind of outweigh the positives ones, eh? But, like, I mean, I'll probably try it again. I keep on hearing, like, oh, yeah, everyone meets each other online these days. And <laughs> I'm like, really? Because uh, for me, like, when I go out into the online dating world, like, it's kind of a ghost town. I mean, there's guys there, but I swear, like, 75% of them are just, like, profiles that aren't even checked anymore. And the other 25%, for whatever reason, are just not interested in me. And then there's a few people who are, I guess, like, I don't want to say wacko, because that's really a little too harsh. But just, like, not for me. We'll just say not for me. (laughs) So um, Sam says, quote, I guess it is a choice. I've had enough opportunities for dating, but I always go with my gut. And if something doesn't feel completely natural after a while, I just take a step back. I always feel like it's important to build a base in friendship first but that can get complicated too. And guys are not always okay with friendship first either. But I'd like to think that in all this waiting, God has something for me. And when the time is right, I will know. End quote. Shannon says, definitely, I would say a part of it is that's what God wants for me, but it's more complex than that. Or did I say that right? It's deeper than that. There's a time and a season for everything, and in the last two years I've been growing into a role at my job that has been demanding over a lot of time and attention. I'm grateful to have been single while going through this learning curve. Pastoring children has demanded much time and attention, and I don't think I could have invested as much time as I have if I had a family. Another part of it is the invitation deeper into God, into understanding who I am and who he is better. I also have fear and insecurity I've had the opportunity to face. I could have faced it either way, but I don't think I would have been quite as willing. Romans 12 says that those who hope in the Lord won't be disappointed. I know it's it's all coming. God has repeated this to me over two decades. And I also had the sense I would find a spouse later in life. The story of Mary and Elizabeth showcases God's incredible timing, as I believe Mary was quite young, and Elizabeth further along in years when she had John the Baptist. But both John and Jesus were born at the perfect time, I would say. If I'm honest, I don't know that I would say singleness is my first choice. I'm beginning to feel I've accomplished everything I want to as a single. But Jesus is my first choice. Following, trusting. So you kind of have to hold your hopes for dating, marriage, and kids loosely, because you don't want to waste your single years pining and wailing for what you don't have yet. Okay, I will actually permit pining and wailing. I think I do that sometimes. But I don't want to get to a place of bitterness and mistrust with God. He is trustworthy. End quote. Kyla says, My city has a low amount of men, and people in general, that are following Jesus, and there are not many opportunities to get to know those that do. I have the horrible habit of ignoring guys I'm attracted to, and my outward appearance does not match my fitness level. I look like I don't value healthy eating or being active, even though it is something that I have been working on a lot. End quote. I actually feel kind of the same way. You would never know just by looking at me, uh, how many vegetables I eat (laughs) and how much I work out. I think I once, once again, going back to the online dating thing, there was this one guy I met online. Um, We connected a bit over running. It's quite possible that when he met me, he thought I was lying about, being a runner because I'm a plus-sized woman. Anyway, I am actually a runner. I don't run very fast or very far, but I actually do run. But anyways, we'll we'll get into that idea a little bit more down the road. Personally, as I'm nearing 30, uh, I think I'm single because of a combination of things. One, I was a very shy teen and I didn't have very good social skills. I was homeschooled, so I, I didn't have the same common experiences that many other kids have to use as sort of a starting point. And, um, and then I was also overweight and I had acne and I just really was not confident in my body or in myself. And it's really hard to get a date when you have no confidence in yourself or your own body. And, uh, and when you're young, when you're in, you're a teenager and you're in your very early twenties is when the dating pool is the biggest, at least, at least in my community, um, in my community, um, having sort of a very conservative Mennonite Christian background of a lot of people. People tend to get married very young. And so probably in the first couple years after high school, the dating pool shrinks by like a third to a half. That's my unscientific analysis of that. I'm not sure if it's actually true, but it kind of feels that way. Okay, so then once I was in my sort of early 20s, I did get to, I did start having more confidence in myself and my personality. I lost a lot of weight. I was quite fit. Um, But at the same time, I was working in a job where I didn't meet a lot of people. I worked with the same people every day in a factory. Um, I worked shift work, so I often didn't have a social life for a couple weeks at a time. And I was also relatively new in a community where I was just starting to get to know people and um, make friends. And I, I just take a very long time to make friends, even now that I have more confidence and more social skills. It just takes me a long time to like warm up to people. Um, And so during that time, I didn't meet a ton of men and didn't really have the time to build a relationship with any of them. Um, And then I moved away and went to school. And so I had to start all over in a new place, also dealing with some mental illness at the time. So it just really wasn't an ideal time to be building a social circle. Never mind sort of putting myself out there into the dating scene. Uh, And now I'm back in the same small community that I used to live in. And I'm back in kind of at least a portion of that social circle. But, you know, COVID. So that's kind of my, you know, scientific analysis of, of what I think happened. So a combination of being a bit of a late bloomer, taking a long time to develop confidence and social skills. And just like pure numbers, not having the right social circle to... Uh, facilitate meeting a lot of eligible men. Um, so, a few things I wanted to explore. I, I, when I was young, I was definitely hung up on the top, on the sort of category of looks. I thought that guys are not interested in me because I'm ugly. And when you're a teen, I mean, that very well may be quite true. I won't accuse teenagers of being completely shallow, but. They haven't necessarily built up that depth of experience to know that looks really don't count for a heck of a lot. And now later in life, having done a bit of like the online dating thing, there's definitely I think areas where it does count quite a lot, no matter what we'd like to think about ourselves being not shallow person. So to start out, I don't think it's a a bad thing to notice attractiveness or factor this into the equation when you're looking at relationships you are a whole person. Like your body is very much a part of who you are. And it does say at least a little bit about who you are inside. So I think it's not a bad thing to take that into the equation. I just, I'm trying to address the thing, like, does it matter as much as we think it does? Um, Should it matter? That kind of thing. In an article in Psychology Today, Dr. Madeline A. Fougere writes that physical attractiveness might serve as a gatekeeper, directing us toward partners who are healthy, age-appropriate, and able to reproduce. How romantic. (laughs) And when we make real-life dating and mating decisions, she says, research indicates that physical appearance dominates. We choose to pursue relationships with those who are attractive to us. She says that physical attractiveness may be so important to us because we associate other positive qualities with a pleasing appearance. For example, unattractive individuals are expected to be happier and to have more rewarding life experiences than unattractive individuals. It's kind of a weird thing of the way we're wired or the way we're socialized, I guess, um, to think that pretty people are just better at all kinds of things. I wonder if that's a lot of the influence of Hollywood on us. I have definitely found myself watching movies and being automatically more sympathetic toward the good-looking man than toward the more average-looking man. And that's kind of dumb <laughs> when I think about it. Like, I like to think of myself as this intellectual, cerebral-type person who is above that thing kind of thing, but I, I really am not. Um, so Dr. Fougere goes on to say that, that we don't necessarily actually want partners who are extremely attractive... So I guess not like Instagram, GQ model type stuff. We just want partners who are attractive enough, whatever that means to us. Um, She cites a study that shows that a lack of attractiveness was associated with negative qualities, but only a moderate level of attractiveness was necessary to make one's associations positive. Um, And personally, this rings true to me as well. I think I would be more likely personally like say in an online dating scenario to open up a conversation with a man who was pleasant to look at but not like like shockingly attractive um <laughs> i think i i don't know if it's just being intimidated or or if i'm literally like just like annoyed by the attractive men i just tend to assume that they know that they're really attractive and that they're going to be annoying because of it so sorry handsome man i'm sure there's some really nice ones out there you know not all handsome men so Looking at studies about online dating, I was kind of wondering, like, does online dating make for an even more sort of a meat market, attraction-only type process? Um, The one study that I found said that men were most likely to look for physical attractiveness, but personally to, like, talk about their own status and stuff like that, sort of boost their um, own attractiveness. Didn't really tell me anything conclusive about that. But in all of this, I don't don't really think that Christian men are all that different and maybe they make more of an effort to not be shallow because they feel obligated to do so that I don't know but I think in general Christian men probably want their girlfriend to be attractive whatever they mean by that but at the same time like as women I think we are almost universally too hard on ourselves like like I I don't have one ugly friend I honestly do not have a single ugly friend but every one of them, almost with, without exception, thinks they are ugly, or at least that parts of them are ugly. I've done like portraits of some of my friends where I'm like, wow, they look stunning. And they'll be like, oh, no, I don't want my picture taken. And I've done that at work too, where, where I, I have to take a portrait of, of someone I interviewed and they're like, oh, I don't look very good. I'm like, no, no, you look fine. You look great. So I think that when we say attractiveness matters... I don't think that means that every single one of us should write ourselves off. I think that honestly, like very few of us don't clean up well. (laughs) I don't know how to say this. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to somehow like leave someone out of that equation. I honestly, I honestly mean it. I, I don't think that any of us are as ugly as we think we are. I think this is also an opportunity for us to look at ourselves Um, Do we judge too harshly based on looks? I know I sometimes do. Um, But while people look at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And we should not be too quick to dismiss someone simply on the basis of their looks. So there's also this idea of having standards. Um, If you've been single for a long time, you might have heard, well, you're single because your standards are too high. And this was just a joke, but I did have a coworker once be like, oh, come on, Geraldine! like, does he really have to be able to read? And I, I'm not anti-standard at all. I think it's better to be single than to be with someone who isn't as serious about your faith as you are. I, I just think that there's kind of, you know, to use the metaphor of the tree, there's sort of trunk standards, and then there's like limb, branch, uh, leaf, even uh, type standards. Um, like for me, for instance, like if he's constantly fighting with his parents, that's probably not a good sign. Um, if he has unrepentant sin, I mean, obviously none of us are perfectly self-aware in this regard, but, you know, there's some certain things that like he had unrepentant sin in his life that would not be good. For me, if he was like quite anti-church, that would also be a red flag. And, you know, there's some things like gainfully employed. (laughs) not like he has to doesn't have to have a flashy job like be a doctor or like a a lawyer or something but like you know he he makes some money he pays his bills he works hard and um and also you know if he lived with his mom at this age he should probably have a pretty good reason like maybe he's he's taking care of her or something like that um but i think occasionally we might actually disguise our prejudices as standards I remember once having this man in my life, um, whose company I enjoyed. He made me laugh, but at the same time, I knew I wouldn't date him because he was not a believer. But I had this sort of reoccurring thought of like, oh, well, even if he was, I wouldn't date him because he's weird. And, you know, like he was quite nerdy. So I guess, you know, some people might consider that as weird, but I, I, one day God was like, Gerilyn, isn't that a little rich coming from you? (laughs) like you're pretty nerdy maybe in a little bit of a different way like you're kind of weird. <laughs> who are you to be, you know be prejudiced against this guy because he's weird? Like you're weird. Um, so I've started to sort of stop using that as an excuse. Like if if someone comes off a little socially awkward or a little like nerdy, I I I've, I've tried to take that one out of the equation a bit as far as as red flags go. I know another man who was rejected by a woman because he wasn't enough of a leader. At least that's what she said. Um, Now, he is a leader. Um, He leads a Bible study group, and he has influence among his friends. Um, He's married now, and he leads his household. Um, But he does it very gently, and he's not like a trailblazer or some sort of flashy, blowhardy type. He just leads very quietly. And I guess to her, he didn't meet her archetype of what a leader should be um so she kicked him to the curb. And I wonder sometimes if we get pumped full of ideas when we're young about this sort of perfect godly man and all the things that he's going to be. Like we may, we read some of these books about Christian womanhood and Christian dating. And maybe we take some of their examples a little bit too much to heart. And we think that well we're going to marry a man who's obviously going to be a leader in his church. And in his community, maybe he like, he's a youth pastor or (laughs) plays in the worship band or just like leads among the other men in the church. And he's gonna pursue me with his romantic affection. And he's gonna have this great job to provide for me and take care of all my needs. But guys, like, he's just a man. And this is not a romantic comedy. He is, he is just a man. And honestly, if like, if he was all of those things, that might be a little bit annoying. <laughs> so I think that maybe there's something to examine with ourselves. Like, looking at our standards. And sort of looking at them one by one. And, and saying, like, is there any man who can actually fulfill this? And then, of course, there's obviously racial prejudice. If you would refuse to date a man who's of a different race. Or of a different skin color. Purely because he is that different race or that different skin color. Like, that is not biblical. In in the church, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. And I would argue that that says there's, you know, no value difference between black, brown, white, etc. We are all equals before Christ and we need to treat each other like that. Um. So the last idea I wanted to explore was the idea of statistics. And probably a lot of us have heard the idea that... Women outnumber the men in the church. And based on the studies I've seen, that is true. The difference might not be quite as stark as we think, but there is definitely a slight underrepresentation of men in the church as compared to women. But the difficulty is probably going to be finding a man who is both unmarried and similarly devout to you. This is the language that was used um, in an analysis by Lyman Stone. Um, he says that for every 100 eligible women, there are about 85 eligible men, and um, large shares of devout Christian women will have great difficulty in finding a similarly or even passably devout Christian romantic partner. So, if nothing else, um, you can blame the numbers. Just because it's really hard to find a man doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you have some sort of terrible and glaring flaw The numbers might just kind of be against you. Great, huh? (laughs) Just fantastic. Um, And I think that maybe, I don't know if this is everyone's experience, but things are sort of polarized in terms of politics. And I think that there might be this added layer of compatibility that comes down to politics these days, because people tend to be pretty tribalistic about their politics if they're really into that kind of thing um and i've occasionally gotten the impression from men that i was um that i had met or was interested in that because i lean a little too far to the left and by that i mean like i am a centrist basically i'm probably not a very good christian because i'm i'm just not conservative enough and i suspect that if i would go over onto the far left of the spectrum and meet christian men sort of over there they would say well you you probably lean a little too far right for me. And therefore we're not compatible. And, and part of that problem is me in that area because I, I read a lot. I analyze a lot of data. As a journalist, I talk to politicians and read the information that they put out a lot. And I just don't trust them particularly well. And also, when I see people who are being fairly do- dogmatic about their politics, I often notice sort of glaring flaws in their arguments and and have a very hard time not pointing them out. And when you point out flaws in, in arguments of really dogmatic people, that tends to trigger them. And so me dating, say, a dogmatic conservative or a dogmatic um, liberal, liberal, or as Americans would call them, a Democrat, probably not going to work. Either way, we're probably going to clash. So that, for me... Um, narrows down my eligibility pool. Around where I live here, there's a lot of really conservative men. And depending a little bit on, on their style, with how they hold that, uh, it might not work. And I, I just want to say, like, either way, I don't think that these are bad people. I, I don't think that these men who are very dogmatic about their conservatism or their liberalism or sort of left-leaning views are bad men. It's just that dogmatism and me my opinionatedness doesn't seem to work very well and I I just don't think that we would be able to respect each other very well because of that maybe I'll grow in that a little bit but we'll see what happens for now anyway that tends that tends to be something that sort of scares me off and so in all of these reasons what I'm what I'm not trying to say is that any of us are doomed um for one thing I mean like we're not doomed if we're single I don't know about you, but I live a pretty happy life and I'm not going to give that up to moan and groan about the one thing that I don't have, which is a family or the two things, family and husband. But if you, like me, are sometimes like, well, what is wrong with me? Then maybe these are some things to uh, contemplate. One, maybe it's not my fault. Or two, maybe there's some things about me that I need to examine in myself. Some of the prejudices I have or unrealistic expectations or... Or that kind of thing. Anyways, I guess that's all for now. There's a slight chance that uh, I won't put on an episode next week because my brother is getting married over the weekend, leaving me as the last single person in the family. Yay. And uh, I want to be able to um, focus on making sure that their weekend is good and making sure I don't go crazy from too much socialization. <laughs> so it might be that we're going to have to skip a week here. We're not, I'm not sure quite yet, but we'll see how that goes. Anyway, that's all. Old Maid is written and produced by me, Gerald Witcher. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Old Maid Pod. My website is oldmaidpodcast.com. And uh, see you next time. All right, bye.